Good morning. Welcome to Church of the Palms. My name is Jean Asakura, and I serve as an elder in our congregation. Let us now prepare our hearts for worship as we bow our heads in the prayer of invocation. Gracious God, your might is beyond your measure, your wisdom beyond knowledge, your love beyond all telling. You have put eternity into our hearts and made us hunger and thirst for you. Satisfy the longings you have implanted that we may find you in life and find life in you. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, amen. Let us praise God through our worship.
Will you please stand for the call to worship? Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the land. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord is God. It is he that made us, and we are his people. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his course with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name, for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. Let us make a joyful noise together. Let us worship God. The proof of God's amazing love is this. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. Because we have faith in him, we dare to approach God with confidence. In faith and penitence, let us confess our sin before God and one another. Merciful God, you have made us in your image. We have a mind to know you, a heart to love you, and a will to serve you but our knowledge is imperfect, our love inconstant, our obedience incomplete. Day by day, we fail to grow into your likeness, yet you are slow to be angry with your children. For the sake of Jesus Christ, your Son, our Savior, do not hold our sins against us. 
but in your tender love, forgive. In Jesus' name, amen. Hear the good news. Who is in a position to condemn? Only Christ. And Christ died for us. Christ rose for us. Christ reigns in power for us. Christ prays for us. Anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. The old life has gone. A new life has begun. Know that you are forgiven and be at peace. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Let us confess the faith of our baptism as we say, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And now, while we keep a safe distance, we encourage you to exchange the peace of Christ with one another using the words, peace be with you. Peace be with you. <laughs> I know. Everybody's happy. that I got here before he was done and that, that that's <laughs> wow talk about a new normal huh it's uh, well good morning. good morning 
It is so nice to hear you say that. It is so good that we can be together and we get to sing and we get to lift up our voices. And, uh, and I, you know, I think we're a little bit rusty. So we, you know, we can sing a little bit louder the next hymn and a little bit louder the next hymn. And, and then we'll really be making a joyful noise. So we are glad that you're here and we are glad to be in this part of our journey back from COVID. And we rejoice to know that the Holy Spirit is present and that God is inhabited in our praises. So we are grateful for that. And we're grateful for our music ministry and for all that they have done to lead us through this great journey. Yay. Um, we have had to maneuver and, uh, and make our way through this journey in all sorts of ways, but our, our music ministry has been steadfast and they have really led us along the way. We get to have fellowship today. We get to go underneath the tree in the hottest morning of the year. <laughs> and we get to bring our own little mugs if you want to. You have your own personal, uh, this is a Michigan mug, but you might want to uh, have your own mugs with you and uh, perhaps to help our, our good creation out a little bit more rather than using all that uh, plastic and paper and all this stuff. We'd love to have you bring your own cup if you'd like to, uh, to enjoy some time underneath the tree and to be in fellowship and in conversation. We also hope that uh, you'll uh, find that name tag that you buried in your drawer somewhere a long time ago and put that on. And if by chance you can't find it, we can always get you a new one. But this will give us even more chance to put name and face together because we haven't seen each other in a long time. So we hope that yeah, you'll do that as well. We uh, look forward to more new members coming into our fellowship, and that will be on Tuesday evening at 6.30 over in the chapel reception room, where we'll have a chance to uh, welcome new people into our midst. So if you'd like to learn more about membership here at Church of the Palms, just find us there in the chapel at 6.30. You can call ahead and let us know that you're coming if you want, and uh, we'll be glad to receive you there and uh, teach you a little bit about what's going on here at Church of the Palms, and then uh, you will be received into membership as well. We have a new sport in the, in the Palm Center. It's ping pong, that's what I used to call it. Uh, table tennis, and we've got a Tuesdays and Thursdays, an opportunity for you, and there's information about that in your bulletin, so come over and enjoy, kind of relive your youth. Those of you who used to play ping pong back when you were a kid, well, now's your chance to get that old paddle out and, and enjoy some time with us there. Day of Hope is coming up on July the 17th. That's sneaking up on us just a little bit more than a month away, and you have been steadfast in your support of Day of Hope. You have been supporting us with your volunteer time, as well as your prayers. We can still use your uh, financial assistance and as well, we could use children and adult toothbrushes, preferably unused. <laughs> okay. um, no, they have to be new uh, for uh, us to hand out as well as all the many other things, uh, the backpacks and the school supplies and such. So if you'd like to help us out with that, you can bring that also to the church office anytime during the week or on Sunday morning. It's so nice to have Ark Brian with us today, be hiding behind the palm tree there. So welcome and give him another round of applause for his time with us. And let's continue our worship. My life flows on 
I catch the sweet though far of him that hails a new creation. You'll notice in your bulletin that we are baptizing a little four-year-old girl named Quinn Riley. So if you would keep the Owler family in your prayers as they um, enjoy that sacrament at the next service. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we want to thank you for the beautiful day that you have given us, for the birds and frogs and cicadas that sing your praises. We too are grateful to be lifting up our voices in praise. We ask for your blessing on our friends in Honduras, Nicaragua, Kirkuk, Bulgaria, Immokalee, and everywhere in the world. 
including the families who will be right here on our campus for Day of Hope in less than a month. These friends continue to struggle with the ripple effects of the pandemic and of poverty. Continue to show us how to unite with one another as brothers and sisters in Christ, shoulder to shoulder, hand in hand, as we are all in need of your tender mercy and unconditional love. Lord, our heart aches for those who are unwell in body or mind, for those who are grieving the loss of a loved one, and for those who feel all alone. We pray for your healing touch, your abiding presence, and your peace that passes all understanding. We give you thanks for the privilege of living in a country of abundance where we enjoy great freedom. We give you thanks for the brave men and women who have served and continue to serve this fine country. Keep us humble and aware, O Lord, of those who may not yet experience all aspects of the freedom that we sometimes take for granted. We pray that you would open our eyes to the things that break your heart so that we might use our wealth, our education, and our abundance to join you in the ministry of reconciliation and healing, where people near and far are moved closer to you so that they too would join in our joyful adoration of you, O God. We ask all of this in the name of Jesus, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Well, we are at one of my favorite parts of the service, the moment of gratitude. Our worship of God becomes personal when we get to listen to gorgeous music and reflect on all that we are truly grateful for. Today I give thanks to God for the gift of this day, for the joy of getting to sing again, for the celebration of Quinn's baptism, for the beginning of Connor Peters' ministry with us, and for our talented Jenny Kim Godfrey, who will soon be singing one of my all-time favorite hymns, sung at my dad's funeral, sung at my wedding, sung at my ordination. No worries, I have a hanky. This too is the time where we get to give thanks to God with our tithes and our offering. You may drop your offering in the baskets as you enter or in the baskets as you leave, or you may give online like many of us do. Regardless of how you give or when you give, may you give with a joy-filled hearts that are overflowing with the gratitude of God. And during the doxology today, we get to sing our thanks as the ushers bring forward baskets that are representative of our collective offering. Let us give generously. See the 
dancing sweetly in the trees. When I look down from lofty mountain grandeur and hear the brook and feel the gentle breeze, then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee. How great thou art, how great thou art, then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee. How great thou art, how great thou art. sung our song of thankfulness for what you have done. You've given us new life, and we have responded with our hearts and our resources. To the tithes and offerings that have been given in various ways throughout these last few months, we express our gratitude to you and to the people who have been so generous. May these gifts represent our commitment collectively and individually to you and to the following of our Lord Jesus Christ in the days to come. This we pray in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen.
You may now be seated. <laughs> we are creatures of habit, and it's been our habit to have our children's a moment just before that second hymn, but we have a summer program going on upstairs for our ch children, and in the fall we will be back a little bit closer to our, our regularly scheduled program. Well, we're on window two of our windows on the Word, and you'll see that window on the cover of your bulletin, our summer preaching series where we are focusing on the lovely faceted stained glass windows in our beautifully refurbished chapel that we hope you'll take the time to go over and see after worship. Today, it is the marriage window, which features the story of the wedding at Cana. The window shows Jesus standing amidst stone jars, which in the story he has filled with water after the word comes to him that the party has run out of wine. At the bottom of the window, you will see one of the servants filling one of the jars, and soon the jars will turn into jars of wine, really, 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 really good wine. Behind Jesus could either be his mother, Mary, who prompts Jesus to perform the sign and the wine steward who verifies the miracle, or it also could be the anxious newly married couple wondering what will happen to their party. At the top of the window are two candles with entwined flames, the symbol of marriage, the two becoming one. Between them and above the candles is the cross, the symbol of sacrificial love. So with this image in mind, Let's read the story that comes to us from John chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine gave out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what concern is that to you and me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Now standing there were six stone water jars for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. And Jesus said to them, fill the jars with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, now draw some out and take it to the chief steward. So they took it. When the steward tasted the water that had become wine and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the steward called the bridegroom and said to him, everyone serves the good wine first, and then the inferior wine after the guests have become drunk. You've kept the good wine until now. Jesus did this, the first of his signs in Cana of Galilee, and revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. This is the word of the Lord. <clears throat> Let us pray. By your grace and through your mercy, we pray, O Lord, that you will allow these words to come to point to the word just read and to the word made flesh in Jesus the Christ. For we pray this in his name, amen. The legend goes that the great Scottish poet Robert Burns was out plowing his field one day and noticed before he could do anything about it the blade of his plow cutting through the new and not yet inhabited nest of a field mouse. Reflecting on all the work that poor little mouse had put into making that little nest for her soon-to-be baby mice, 
Burns later that day sat down and wrote the poem to a mouse that includes the lines that have fallen from most of our lips, the best laid schemes of mice and men gang off to glay and lee us not but grief and pain for promised joy. The best laid schemes of mice and men. Sometimes things just don't go the way you'd hope they go. The first century Jews knew how to throw a party, especially a wedding reception. Wedding receptions in the first century Palestine were a real party. They put American wedding receptions to shame. Palestinian weddings lasted seven days. People took vacations to attend wedding receptions. Marriage was a fundamental institution of civilization. It was something you stopped, you celebrated, and since it took seven days for God to create the world, then we will party for seven days with this couple who will be participants in God's creation. And so for a good Jewish family, if you're going to throw a party, you better have it all set out, you know, food, wine, music. And if you ran out of any of these things, it was an insult not just to your guests, but to God. It suggested that you did not want to take the full seven days to celebrate. So Jesus is at this party. It's important to register that fact. Jesus is at a party. Jesus doesn't mind having a good time. Jesus is not a joy killer. Joy Jesus is a joy lover. He spent seven precious days of his three-year ministry just to celebrate. So Jesus shows up, and because Jesus is one who's showing up in lots of places, Jesus shows up in life, both good and bad. Jesus shows up at sick beds, he shows up at graves, shows up at brothels, shows up at the local IRS convention, shows up at dinner parties, shows up in the wilderness, shows up at sea, shows up in a leper colony. Jesus shows up all over the place. And he shows up, shows up in the flesh at this party. But the party, of course, comes to a screeching halt because the wine has run out, and when the wine runs out, the party's over. The band stops playing, people go for their coats, the bride is crying in the corner. Not good. And so Jesus' mother approaches him and says, they have no wine. And Jesus says, well, mother, that's none of our business. Really? Did Jesus just say that? It's none of our business. What concern is that to you and me? He, he's saying the thing we sometimes say when something bad happens to somebody else. Now, Martha, don't, get in, don't go getting involved. It's none of our business. They'll figure it out. Nothing we can do about it anyway. They have no wine, Mary says. And maybe it's accompanied by one of those mother looks that tells Jesus that she's not asking him to get involved. She's telling him to get involved. Because that's the other part of incarnation, right? It's not just showing up. It's getting involved. It's getting your hands dirty. It's trying to make, a, make bad things better. So Jesus orders the six stone jars to be filled with water, and they are, and then comes the miracle. The water is turned into wine. Jesus turns water into wine. And now all of a sudden, the guests hang their coats back up, the band starts playing, the bride stops crying, folks start dancing, and all of a sudden we got ourselves a party again. You've kept the good wine until now, the steward says. 
The best laid schemes of mice and men have sometimes more than grief and pain. Sometimes they leave us the best wine. A good friend of mine died a couple weeks ago. Don was 20 years my senior and was a mentor of mine. He was a great churchman, a great father, and he and his wife Judy were great models for us as we started out our marriage and family. The timing of Don's death, along with preaching on this wedding at Cana, brings to mind the story of when Amanda and I went to visit Don and Judy in their home many, many, many moons ago. We were enjoying a nice lunch together, and then after lunch, as we sat around the table, they began to tell us about their trip to the Holy Land. They showed us all their pictures and souvenirs, and then they brought out perhaps their most prized acquisition, a beautiful ceramic wine pitcher that they had bought in Cana. It was beautiful, exquisite, extraordinary. It contained two chambers and allowed you to pour water from one side and wine from the other. It meant a great deal to Don and Judy as it was a symbol of Christ's transforming presence in their marriage and in the marriage of Cana. We admired the picture for a while and then set it down in the middle of the table, continued to talk. A few minutes later, I reached over to get some cream, knocked over the picture, and it broke. Right there in front of us. Shock covered all of our faces, and there was that awkward silence of disbelief. Something so precious was now lying there in pieces, irreplaceable. I felt awful. I'm sure Don and Judy felt awful. So what do you do? If I apologize once, I apologized a hundred times. I think every time I saw them from that point on, I apologized. Probably my telling this story right now is another form of apology. And every apology, every apology was met with the same response for this, from this lovely couple, a response of grace, of mercy, a response of it doesn't matter, you know, these things happen as they do to mice and men. But their grace was more than that. The broken picture itself pointed to something else, the presence of one who had been present long before when those two became one, and long before that when another two became one, accompanied by a sudden and disappointing turn of events. The presence of one who manages to transform the disappointment into something deeper and richer and greater. Our friendship now with my clumsiness to laugh about just got deeper. You have kept the good wine until now. You've taken what was a floundering party. You've taken what was a broken pitcher. You've taken our mess, and somehow you've made it into something deeper, something greater. You've, you've kept the good wine until now. Even when the best laid schemes of mice and men go awry, especially when the best laid schemes of mice and men go awry, you show up and you get involved doesn't take much to imagine what a different direction that whole Cana story would have taken if Jesus had stuck with his attitude of none of my business. You can imagine the finger pointing. Who ordered that wine? How much did they order? I told you we needed more wine. I knew if I left it to you it would be a disaster. It would have been a very human thing to turn the wedding party into a blaming party, into a complaining party. Look at this mess. Look at this broken picture. Look at this irredeemable situation. 
Jesus shows up and gets involved. It's the incarnation. It's what Jesus does. It's what Jesus' church does. While, while everybody's pointing fingers, while everybody is blaming everybody, Jesus and his followers, they start filling jars with water. Because who knows what might happen. Maybe, maybe he's saving the good wine until now. What's the old line? Jesus can turn water into wine, but he can't turn your whining into anything. <laughs> the Greeks were onto something when their playwrights told the great tragic stories of flawed human beings getting themselves into irredeemable situations. And then comes the deus ex machina, the rescue of the gods swooping in from above and bringing redemption and resolution, filling up the jars to see what happens. Maybe that's what Charles Stoddard wrote about after he visited the legendary Molokai leper colony on the Molokai Peninsula in Hawaii. Historic suspicions about leprosy and its contagion led 20 plus centuries of human civilization from before the days of Jesus to turn to treat lepers worse than animals and to banish them to remote places like Molokai to fend for themselves and die on their own. A young Catholic priest, Father Damien, sensed the call to show up and get involved with the Molokai community to minister to the least of these, literally lowers himself into the valley of the lepers to bring relief to the forgotten. He remained there for the rest of his days. Stoddard visited the colony to see who this man was, approached the makeshift chapel out of which he came, Father Damien. Stoddard writes, his priest's cassock was worn and faded, his hair tumbled like a schoolboy's, his hands stained and hardened by toil, but the glow of health was in his face, the buoyancy of youth in his manner, while his ringing laugh, his ready sympathy, and his inspiring magnetism told of one who in any sphere might do a noble work. Later, Jack London, the author of Call to the Wild, showed up years later at Molokai, and after spending some time with the lepers and their leader, he wrote, if it were given to me to choose being compelled to live in Molokai for the rest of my life, or in the east end of London, or in the east side of New York, I would select Molokai without debate. Sounds like a kingdom party. Fill the empty jars, Jesus says, and let's see if we can make some good wine out of this. Years and years ago, I was on sabbatical leave in Ireland and was at dinner one night and found myself sitting across from a middle-aged woman, and I asked her what she did, and she said she was an Episcopal priest. Now, when two pastors get talking to each other, they often want to, you know, swap statistics, you know, size, location, budget, staff, facilities. Such was my inquiry of this pastor. So where's your church? She said, Boston. Oh, where in Boston? Oh, nowhere, just Boston. Oh, well, how many members do you have? Oh, don't know. She said, it varies. What's your church look like? Oh, it doesn't look like anything. We don't have a building. Now I'm getting really confused. Took me a while to get to her story. Her name was Deborah Little. She was an ordained Episcopal priest, and one day she felt the calling to leave the confines of her church building and to walk the streets of downtown Boston and minister to homeless people. On her first night, she filled her backpack with socks, string, a first aid kit, shelter list, a prayer book, healing oil, AA meeting schedules, chapstick, and peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. She took to the streets and sat on a park bench and hung out in subway stations. She 
developed friendships with a host of characters until the time she decided that maybe they should have worship in the Boston Commons, which she did. Her new homeless friends suggested a particular corner of the Commons, and she rigged up an altar using an old cart and a piece of plywood on top. She used the 23rd Psalm as their corporate prayer, recited the serenity prayer as their confession, read a gospel lesson, shared a few lines of homily, and then together they received communion, and afterward she handed out more of those peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. That was her first church service, 16 attended. More came the next Sunday, more the next. They called themselves Common Cathedral. Every Sunday around 200 or so would come and taste the word and the wine. For some, that grape juice was the best wine they'd ever had. The world is a broken place, isn't it? Wine runs out, pitchers fall and break, disease eats people, people lose their homes, coronavirus spreads, best laid plans go awry. And grief and pain spread all around. And there's enough fingers of blame to go around, too. They have no wine, they have no homes, they have no health, they have no hope, they have no clothes, they have no food, they have no way to fix their mess. And what is it to you and me? Fill the jars with water, Jesus said. Show up, get involved, strike up the band, hand out the PB&J, open the hymnals, and pour the coffee. For maybe, just maybe, the best is yet to be.
Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with you now and forevermore. Amen.